Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Did you cause the death of Professor Dan Markell? Absolutely no. Did you hire anyone to kill him? No. Did you put any letters in any diaper bags of Katie Magbanawa to have Professor Markell killed? No. How do you feel right now? I'm really nervous. Why are you nervous? My whole life depends on it. Charlie Adelson, the defendant accused of murdering his former brother-in-law, FSU law professor Dan Markell, in a murder-for-hire plot, has taken the stand. We break down eight of some of the major moments. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. Big developments in the trial of Charlie Adelson. The defendant himself has taken the stand. So we covered this on a previous sidebar, but Adelson is accused of first-degree murder, conspiracy, and solicitation, all in connection with the death of his former brother-in-law, FSU law professor Dan Markell. Now, the theory from the prosecution is that Markell was in the middle of this bitter custody dispute with Adelson's sister, Markell's ex-wife, Wendy Adelson, to give you an idea— Dan had petitioned the court to prevent Wendy's mother, Donna Adelson, from being allowed to be with he and Wendy's children unsupervised. He believed that she was bad-mouthing him to them. So investigators believe that with all of this bad blood, Charlie was the one that orchestrated Dan's killing, that he facilitated the payment of $100,000 to be shared by Catherine Magbanoa, Sigfredo Garcia, and Luis Rivera. Well, who are they? Well, back on July 18, 2014, Markell was shot to death in his garage at his home in Tallahassee, Florida. The hitmen were Luis Rivera and Sigfredo Garcia. The investigation revealed that they were tied to this plot through Catherine Magbanoa, the mother of Garcia's children and the former girlfriend of Charlie Adelson. Luis Rivera said that Magbanoa acted as the middle person in this plot. In the end, Luis Rivera pled guilty in 2016 to second-degree murder, not first, in the killing of Dan Markell. He received a 19-year prison sentence to run concurrently with a federal sentence on an unrelated case. He testified against Garcia and Magbanoa and now Adelson. And Sigfredo Garcia, whom Rivera claims was the actual shooter, he was convicted of first-degree murder of Markell. He was sentenced to life in prison. As for Magbanoa, her first trial ended in a mistrial, but in her second trial, she was ultimately convicted of first-degree murder, conspiracy, and solicitation, and she, too, was sentenced to life in prison. Now, in this trial, Charlie Adelson's defense team says he's innocent, that he is actually the victim of an extortion plot at the hands of Catherine Magbanoa. Their theory is that Magbanoa took it upon herself to plan and carry out the murder of Dan Markell with her accomplices and then extorted Charlie to pay up or his family and him would be killed. With this idea, you have to imagine Charlie Adelson had to take the stand, right? Well, with that, Let's get into eight major moments from Charlie Adelson's testimony so far, because at the time of this recording, 
We haven't even gotten into his cross-examination. We may save that up for a next sidebar. Okay, so the first thing that he says on the stand is that he wasn't responsible for Dan's death, that he didn't hire any hitmen, that he's nervous, his life is on the line. He gets a little bit into his relationship with his parents, Wendy, which I thought was interesting because, you know, it seems like he had a good relationship with Wendy, but not overly close. He would call her. They talk from time to time. But I don't think he gave off the impression that he would kill for her, right? I didn't think he wanted to give off that impression. And he also talked about how he learned that Dan and Wendy were having these marital problems from Wendy, that he, you know, apparently, according to him, Dan wasn't treating her right. Not that he was abusive or anything, and that's important because it seems he didn't want to give off the impression either that the situation was so dire between his sister and Dan that he needed to have Markel killed. Now, one of the things he did do on the stand was set up his defense. Remember, he's saying he was the victim of an extortion plot, and as you'll hear in a little bit, it's because of what he says to Magbanawa. All right, let's take a sidebar from sidebar right now to talk about the holiday season, because what is that one phrase that you always hear when talking about gifts? Where'd you get that from? That is where Uncommon Goods comes in. Okay, so what Uncommon Goods does is it makes it super easy for you to find these unique and cool gifts from across the world for your loved ones, your friends, your coworkers. I mean, in the first 10 minutes when I was checking out their website, I found a make-your-own-dumpling kit. A lot of people don't know this about me. Huge dumpling guy, okay? And then I found this mini escape the room, solve the case game. It's like a mini foldable piece of luggage that you carry around with you. So now I don't have to gather a bunch of my friends to go to one of these places to play the game. Just do it in our living room. It's just awesome stuff, high quality, different, handmade. It shows the person that you're getting a gift for that you actually put some thought behind the present. It has meaning. It's not some vanilla standard gift that you get in a department store. And when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're really supporting all kinds of artists and small independent businesses, which is always a great thing. And by the way, with every purchase that you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back a dollar to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than two and a half million dollars to date. That is incredible. So to get 15% off of your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash crime 10. That's uncommongoods.com dot com slash crime 10 for 15 percent off you really don't want to miss out on this limited time offer uncommon goods we're all out of the ordinary so he tries to set up the idea that magbanawa had found out that he had money and that he spoke maybe too freely about his life and wendy's life and that includes this idea that the family had at one point to pay dan off to give him a million dollars so that he would relocate There was also this idea of threatening to enroll Dan's kids in Catholic school, even though Dan was a religious Jew. So we know that his sister, Wendy, had petitioned to relocate to South Florida. It was unsuccessful. But all that in mind, it's important that you hear from Charlie about what he was saying. What was the what were the terms of the offer? How much was it for? The offer was uh, for one million dollars to to have him moved down south to South Florida with my sister and the boys, and that would afford him enough money that he could easily commute to his job in Tallahassee for the days that he worked. Now, how were you involved in this idea? Not super involved, but I, I definitely said to my parents, I said, I will, I will help, and I will pay a third of that million dollars. And when Wendy one day starts making real money, um, you know, she's able to. I want to be paid back. Charlie, you like to talk a lot, right? 
Yeah, I, I didn't realize how much I talk until I listened to all those tapes, and uh, evidently I do. I mean, I, I knew I liked to talk, but didn't realize how much. When you got involved in this million-dollar offer, would you talk about it with others? Yes. Did you ever talk with Catherine Magbanoa about that million-dollar offer? Yes, I did. And what do you remember telling her? The same thing I told everybody else. is It came up when my, she was asking me about, you know, doesn't your sister want to move back home? And I said, yeah. I said, you know, we tried everything we could. We even offered Danny a million dollars to move back to South Florida, and, uh, and it didn't work. And it's the same thing I said to her is what I said to a bunch of people. How did she respond? She, she was like, wow, that's a lot, that's a lot of money. She's like, you, you got to take out a loan for that? And I said, no, I, I got cash. I can pay for it. So now Magbanawa knows about the cash. And by the way, he says earlier on in his testimony that he always liked to have cash on hand. He liked collecting cash, almost like a hobby. Maybe it wasn't so much about him having cash on hand to pay off his former brother-in-law's killers, but more just, I had money around. And also having cash on hand is important because it backs up his story that Magbanawa wanted that money. And we're going to get to that. Now, he did spend some time also explaining away other bad evidence. For example, at one point, Charlie made a comment to his sister, Wendy, essentially that it would be cheaper to buy a TV than hire a hitman. After Dan was shot, Wendy admitted that Charlie had said this. Not great when your former brother-in-law was shot and killed by hitmen. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. But here is Charlie trying to explain that away. Now, do you recall making a joke that buying her a TV was cheaper than hiring a hitman? Something to that effect. Yeah, it was, want me to say what I, uh, Yeah, tell me what the joke what was. I, what happened was I, when I gave her the TV set as a divorce present, as stupid as the stupidest thing I ever said in my life. And I said, you know, I was going to get you a hitman, but the, the, the TV set was a lot cheaper, so I went with the TV set instead. And I, I said it as a complete joke, and it was stupid, but I do that a lot. Did you make that joke to others? Yes. Did you make that joke many times throughout 2013 and 2014? I made I made that joke when she was having problems and she was fighting and she was upset. I I recycled the joke and it was stupid. Did you ever say that joke to Catherine McBanoa? Yes, I did. Just, just to be clear, did you ever look into hiring a hitman? No, never. So not only does he say it was just a bad joke that came back to bite him essentially, but he repeated that joke to other people, so maybe it's not as nefarious as it was meant to be. 
But he also told that to Magbanoa. So now that could have given her the idea or Sigfredo Garcia the idea to assassinate Dan Markell. And speaking of Sigfredo Garcia, in order to amplify this defense theory that Charlie was the victim of an extortion plot at the hands of dangerous people, Adelson explains that when he was dating Magbanoa, he realized how violent and perhaps unhinged Garcia was. Again, he was the former love interest of Magbanoa, father of her children. I want to talk briefly about July 1, 2014. And just kind of to give you a roadmap, in March, you had dinner with your sister, correct? Yes, at Yarborough. And we've learned that at that dinner, Sigfredo Garcia thought about killing you. Yeah, he was was stalking me with Luis Rivera. And we've learned through this trial that a first attempted murder on Professor Markell's life happened, give or take, six weeks later. Yes. Now let's talk about July 1, which is about three or four weeks after that. By the way, up until July 1, had you ever talked to, texted with, met Sigfredo Garcia? No, not at all. What happened on July 1? We started driving out of her complex, and we got about 100, 100, 200 feet, and this blue car comes flying out of nowhere, flies in front of us, and slams on the brakes. And I've got a car, and I'm towing a 1,200-pound jet ski behind it. And she started screaming, that's T, that's T, that's T. And I'm like, I almost rear-ended this car. And this guy gets out of the car, (coughs) and he comes over, and he's screaming every kind of four-letter word at me, threatening me. Uh, I mean, his face was real red. My windows were up. Um, And the guy was going crazy. He then got in his car chased alongside of us he was right alongside of us rolled his window down was screaming all this stuff at us and when we got to the light it was just turning yellow and I gunned it and I remember making a left hand turn and I, I said to Katie I go that guy's nuts and she goes he goes nuts she goes he's really calmed down and I go what do you mean he's calmed down and she goes the old T I know would have broken your window and dragged you out into the street and beaten your ass The idea here is saying, yeah, Garcia is someone who's dangerous, that he didn't like Adelson for dating Magbanoa, that he was stalking him with Luis Rivera, that this is not someone that he met or would enter into a partnership with in a murder-for-hire plot. That was the theme, I think, that uh, Charlie Adelson and his defense team were getting at. So then Adelson explains how he found out that Dan Markell was shot. He said his mom called her, told her that Wendy found out that Dan was shot. He says that His reaction was he was in shock. He was worried about her kids. He didn't know what was happening. Now, at one point, he says that he called Magbanoa, again, his girlfriend, to come on over. Let's hear what he said. You said you called Katie after your shower. Why did you call her? To see if she was still planning on coming over and uh, and what time she was going to be there because it was was already like 10, 10, 15. When she arrived to my house, she came in through the garage, entered into the kitchen from the side door like she always does, and she just looked panicked and upset. I mean, she walks straight in and gives me this big, tight hug, 
and asked me, like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, just a horrible day. But she looked more upset than I, I mean, I've ever seen her. And I'm like, are you okay? She's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, just come sit down. I need to talk to you. And she said, listen, this is all my fault. But I had no idea anything was going to happen. But this is totally my fault. I spoke in too much detail about your family's personal problems, about your sister, Dan Markell, and the million-dollar offer. What did you say? I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, she's like, my friend killed Dan. And he wants to be paid a third of a million dollars. Wow. So Magbanua comes right out and says, I know who killed Dan. This is my fault. And you got to pay up. Remember, we never heard this before this trial. Okay, as we just heard, according to Charlie Adelson, on the stand, he's hit with this news. He's reeling from the shock of learning his former brother-in-law is killed. And he learns from his girlfriend, Catherine Magbanua, that she knows the killer. Well, what is Adelson's reaction to this? How did you react? I was like, what did you just say? And she's like, my friend killed Dan and he wants you to pay a third of a million dollars. What happened next? I stood up and I, I started cursing it. I'm like, what the f- are you kidding me? And she's like, no. I'm like, who, who did this? Who's your friend that did this? And she's like, I don't want to say, I can't say. And I, I said, who, who was it? And she just kept saying, I'm not going to tell you. And I was like, is it, was it Sigfredo? And, uh, and she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not telling you. And I just walked in my bedroom and sat down on the edge of my bed. And I'm like, Katie, I'm, I'm not going to be part of this. Like, I'm not going to be part of paying for a murder. This is insane. And, she, and she's like, look, if you don't pay in 48 hours, they will kill you. And I said, Katie, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm getting extorted now. How did she respond to that? She, she got really mad at me. She, she got angry. And she's like, look, I'm not extorting you. Okay, look, this is arguably the most important part of his whole testimony, right? It's either the jury believes this or they don't. I think it all comes down to whether this story is believable or not. The jury heard from Catherine Magbano already. I mean, she took the stand. She admitted that she lied in her trial about not having any involvement in the murder, that she lied to get herself off, that that didn't work. She was convicted. And now in Charlie Adelson's trial, she says, "Okay, I'm finally coming clean. This is what happened. He's responsible. So the idea, once again, is he is the victim. And as he explains, while Magbanawa had told him that she had no part in this murder, as his defense counsel argued, she was the one who was the mastermind behind it all. Well, what about the money? Does he pay up? Let's find out. She's like, I got dragged into this the same way you got dragged into this. She's like, it's my fault for running my mouth the way I did, but I'm not extorting you. Like, I'm trying to help you. So she's like, you got to, she goes, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to the police? She goes, you go to the police, they'll kill you. Did she tell you that they would just kill you or they would also kill other people? She said he'd come after you, he'd come after the family. Like, Charlie, you, you don't have a choice. Just just pay the money. I said, Katie, I, I don't have a third of a million in cash. And she's like, well, you have a ton of money in your safe. And I, I say, Katie, I, I, don't have a, I don't have that much in my safe. I do have a lot. And I said, come, take a look. And I walked over to my safe. I opened it up. And I'm like, here, take a look. And I took it out in piles and put it on the dresser next to us. And I said, I said go ahead and count. That's, that's not a third of a million. And did she count it? Yes, she did. How much money did she count? 
138,000. So it wasn't 100,000, it was 138,000. Correct. And she said, can you go to your parents and get it? And I was like, if I go to my parents, my dad will go to the cops. And she said, well, can you pay like, can you pay like $3,000 a month? And, uh, and I said, yeah, I can, I can do that. What did she do next? She took her purse, her keys and her phone, and she's like, I'm going to go call my friend and see if, see if this works for him, and I'm going to try to help you out. And she's like, I spoke to him. You, you can pay 3000 a month, or you can pay the rest off. She goes, but the 3000 a month you're paying doesn't go towards the balance. Okay, her being the middle person, trying to save his life, works out this payment plan that he feels he has no choice but to agree to, to protect his life, to protect his family's life. And again, he's saying to the jury, this is my fault. I kept maybe, you know, mentioning too freely that I had cash and money, said it to Meg Banawa. That's what maybe caused this. Now, I gotta talk about this next statement. Do you think he kicked Meg Banawa out of the house? That he didn't want to have anything to do with her? Not quite. Did she spend the night that night? She did sleep over that night. Now, why didn't you kick her out? I was in, I was in the state of shock, and I, I didn't think she had anything to do with it. I didn't even want to believe that she had anything to do with it. That may be hard for a jury to believe. This woman is responsible for ruining your life, basically, and you have her sleep over? Or is the jury going to believe, of course she slept over. She's your accomplice. Well, that brings me to the final major moment that I want to talk about, and that is when he tells his mom, Donna Adelson, about what is going on. Now, remember, there has long been suspicion, including by investigators, that Donna is a co-conspirator in this murder-for-hire plot. She hasn't been charged, but neither is Wendy, and Wendy is an unindicted co-conspirator as well. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So with that in mind, let's actually hear what happened with Charlie and Donna. And by the way, he claims he thought about going to the police but thought that would get everyone killed. But yet he ends up telling Donna and he tells her because she starts noticing these payments from the dental practice to Magbanawa. She's like, well, $1,000 a month is a lot of money to pay somebody. And, uh, and she's like, what, what exactly is she doing for you? And I, I said, it's, it's a long story. And then she said, well, I'm your mom. Like, tell me. Like, don't just tell me it's a long story. She's like, well, why are you giving her $1,000 a month? This makes no sense. What happened next? I told my mom, you know, I, I wanted to tell somebody because if I get killed, at least somebody will know where to look or what it could have been about. So I wanted my mom to know what happened, but I also 
didn't want her saying anything to anybody. So I told my mom, I said, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you something, but I never want to talk about it again. I never want you to talk to me about it on the phone. Don't talk about it anywhere. And please, whatever you do, do not say anything to Dad. Do not say anything to Wendy. Do not try to make me go to the police because I'm not going. you got to promise me all that, and then I'll tell you. And what did you tell your mom? I told her that the, the night of the 18th, I got extorted for a third of a million dollars. How did your mom react? She, she flipped out. She's like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? Like, you, what is this about? Like, you, you know who killed Dan? What did she want to do? She wanted to go to the police. And, and she, what did you tell her? I said, absolutely not. I said, it's not going to bring Dan back. I go, you're just going to end up getting me killed or they'll come after somebody in the family. So despite Magbanawa telling him, can't tell anyone because that'll put them in danger, he tells his mother. Now, I do wonder if him telling his mom this information will implicate her in any way in a crime. Maybe that's a conversation for another sidebar. But what do you think? Believable story from Charlie Adelson? Will the jury trust it? It helps to show that he's involved, but not involved at the same time. Oh, and don't forget, we have cross-examination by the prosecution, too, that will, I imagine, certainly be interesting. That's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. Speak to you next time.